0: God, I praise Your name. I praise Your name. I love You, Jesus. I love You, God. I praise Your name. My, my, my. You can be seated for a moment. Why? I just say a few things, and, uh, I appreciate Brother Hilton asking me to go with him to the funeral. And it was like he said. I think it was probably the most, uh, the most fantastic funeral I've ever been in, and uh, people. I mean, everywhere you look, people were praying, and, uh, uh, but uh, if you have your Bibles, if you turn me to Matthew chapter 13, and verse, one verse of Scripture, verse 44, amen, amen, praise God. You know, we had a wonderful time. I don't guess we had a crossword, brother, amen, uh, and uh, he didn't get mad at me. I didn't get mad at him. And uh, he thought he might have kept me awake. He didn't. He said I didn't even snore. Praise God. <laughs> amen. <clears throat> Praise God. <laughs> amen. I sure made sure my wife understood that today, brother. <laughs> amen. Matthew chapter thirty. I mean thirteen. Amen. One verse of scripture, verse forty-four. Amen. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure, hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Amen. This single verse of Scripture is actually a one-verse parable that Jesus used to teach the importance of knowing him and having the Holy Ghost. It's from this single verse of scripture and even from something the man that preached that funeral yesterday said. Amen. God has been working on me and uh, I don't want him to quit. But it's from something that he said that triggered, I guess, something in my spirit. Specifically, the last three words of this verse I want to preach that say, it buyeth the field. I'm just going to preach by the field. By the field. Amen. By the field. Brother Hilton, would you pray? Amen. God, I love you. I praise your name, God. I love you, God. I praise your name. Holy Ghost, come down in here. God, I'm asking to preach, God, to every one of us. God, would you let me preach, God, is the oracles of God, the very words of God. uh, Give me the message, God. I'm asking you in Jesus' name. I I believe you for it. I'm thanking you, God. I'm asking you, God, to touch each and every one that's here tonight. Let them feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, God. I will bless your name. I will bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You can be seated. There are a lot of people that are completely content to have Jesus as a Savior, forgiving them of all their sins. And fewer, though, are ready to have him as the Lord of their life, leading and growing into righteousness and godliness. We often think of Christ as our Savior. We think of Christ as our Lord. We think of Christ as our King. But I can't help but wonder if you've ever thought of Christ as your treasure. By definition, treasure is something of great value. It's highly desired, highly sought after, anticipated, even longed for. But I think one of the problems that we face for most of us is that we're not captivated by treasure the way we used to be. Even the least among us is wealthy by the world's standards. Did you know that half of the world's population lives on less than $2 a day? 1.2 billion people live on less than a dollar a day. We spend more than that on a cup of coffee at our favorite coffee shop every morning. Most of us are considered wealthy by the world's standards. But here's a very simple point tonight. One of the consequences of wealth is we've lost the desire and the wonder of finding treasure. One of Jesus' parables in Matthew's gospel follows a man into a field. He's walking through this field, and he stumbles on something unusual, that something is out of place. He knows that whatever it is, it shouldn't be there. He probably does not even know that what he, had, what he had found at first. He never expected to find random riches in a field, but he did. He had discovered a lifetime's worth of wealth, just lying unguarded and unclaimed in his pathway. How can I have this treasure? What do I have to give or do to own and experience and spend this treasure forever? That was the man's response. And he knew he had to own the field to have the treasure. So the Bible records that he went and he sold everything that he had so he'd have enough money to buy the field The point of the parable is to highlight the infinite precious worth of knowing Jesus and being known by Him. This man sold everything that he had to have this treasure. He sold his house, he sold his furniture, he sold his livestock. Anything this man had of value, he sold it just so he could buy the field. Can I hear an amen? I know most of us don't have no problem giving up old furniture, old clothing, an old pair of shoes, uh, but uh, amen, uh, we have a real issue uh, uh, giving up something we hold of value, but I want you to notice Jesus was not referencing here to give them your old unused stuff. This this man in the field sacrificed those things that he had made, Uh, maybe gifts that he had been given to him, possessions uh, that he had owned for years. Uh, He said goodbye to it all in an instant. Uh, And he did so because he, he could see that whatever he would gain would far surpass everything that he had owned up to this point. And I'm here to tell somebody, if you don't love and treasure Jesus like this, then we simply don't know him everlasting life in and with him is simply and undeniably worth more than anything we can ever buy or build or obtain here on earth. Massive, beautiful homes with intricate landscaping are as nothing. Beautiful, expensive and exotic cars are as nothing. Now, Designer clothes and men's and women's clothing uh, are as nothing. Uh, all of our hobbies, uh, all of our Apple products, all of our books, uh, our computers, our businesses, uh, and even those animals that we hold so dear to our hearts, there is nothing. And they are nothing compared with Christ. He's worth everything to me. I don't know what he is to you, but he's everything to me. Our treasure amen, is all the strength that we need when we feel weak. Paul writes and tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, uh, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory rather in my infirmities, uh, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, The God and Savior who is worth all uh, is the one who also works all for us. When we fall, he's there. Amen. He's near to the broken and the brokenhearted. When we feel dry, he's our substance and strength that our souls need. At every point when we're weak, his strength fills us and consumes our weaknesses in order to show the measure of his power. It is foolish to stop looking for more and more of Jesus because I want all I can get. Amen. Like the old man said, get all you can and can all you get. Uh, Amen. Everything we learn about this Savior offers us more joy, more faith, more peace and more rest. Amen. Somebody praise Him right now. Jesus is a never ending, never exhausted banquet of good for our souls. Nothing tastes better to our heart and souls than Jesus. And because of this gospel, we can keep eating and eating and eating for all eternity. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, David said it this way in the 34th Psalm, verse number 8 Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and taste. Amen. Praise God. Amen. John the Baptist. Amen. Prepared the way for Jesus and his ministry. And when he finally saw the Christ, uh, he said, Behold the Lamb of God uh, who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, John said this because he knew uh, that the greatest and most severe crisis uh, for the world and each of us, it is sin. We have no hope if someone cannot or does not intervene on our behalf. I said we're absolutely without hope. If no one cannot or does not intervene on our behalf. The good news is that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, has taken our sin and he's taken our cross. He's taken our shame on himself by dying for us. And then he defeated sin and death by rising again. All our hope is with the crucified and risen treasure of our heart. It's like the old song says, my hope is built on nothing less uh, than Jesus Christ uh, and His righteousness. Uh, he truly is and He will be our treasure. Amen. During His time on earth, Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables, stories of modern life to convey a spiritual truth uh, about God and His kingdom. Uh, uh, through these parables, uh, Jesus reveals things hidden since uh, the beginning of the world. Away from the crowds, uh, his disciples turn all their attention to Jesus. Uh, he explains that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. So I want to examine this a little bit more closely. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is where the most valuable and the most precious things are stored. As the parable goes, when a man found this treasure in a field, he hid it uh, until he could redeem it or he could own it uh, or possess it. It's interesting for me to note the man did not possess the field where he found the treasure. Yet he knew that the treasure that he found was of the highest value. As a consequence, he was willing to give all that he had to redeem it. Throughout this, parable. Amen. Jesus is showing the worth of all uh, who enter into his kingdom uh, as it is a treasury of the most uh, precious possessions. Uh, The fullness of God's kingdom on earth uh, has been hidden from humanity. Uh, Amen. This was a result uh, of humanity choosing to become one uh, with the knowledge of good and evil uh, because we can read in Genesis chapter 3 verse 22 uh, where it says, and the Lord God said, Said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Oh, through shame, amen. Adam and Eve's eyes were blinded to the truth. I want you to understand God never hid himself or ran from their shame. Humanity ran from and hid from God. Yet, God is great. He continually pursued them in love, and he covered their shame. However, the things of the kingdom were now hidden to them. In the beginning of creation, uh, amen, man was given dominion over the earth and everything that was on the earth, uh, the authority to subdue the earth uh, over all the creatures of the earth uh, to make use of the earth uh, was given to Adam, uh, amen. uh, uh, Not complete ownership of the earth, just the authority. Uh, We know uh, through the smooth workings of man's uh, dominion were temporarily disturbed uh, when Adam and Eve submitted uh, to Satan's authority. By this act of submission to Satan's authority, it brought in diseases, it brought in poverty, strife, bitterness pain, uh, loss, and death. Uh, The devil messed up everything on earth for humanity, and we still see the effects of the fallen state all around us. Uh, Amen. There is a difference though now. Uh, Amen. Jesus has regained the authority uh, that was given to Adam and Eve. Uh, We now have access to that same authority through the new covenant uh, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, I said humanity could never, uh, amen, cover the Cost to buy back the dominion over the earth. No, 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 not the dominion of evil and self as we ourselves became subject to them. When humanity rebelled against God and his right to rule and reign, his kingdom became hidden. Jesus amen, who was God manifest in flesh, became a man, and he came to the, amen, the land of the oppressed and the downtrodden, people who were under a foreign power, one of the most brutal and decadent empires of humanity. He came from heaven to earth, where the kingdom of heaven was hidden to humanity. God placed the highest value of our salvation on us, and for us to enter into his kingdom, amen, for all eternity, God manifest in flesh became the redeemer of humanity because 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 says and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in the flesh I said God was manifest in the flesh he was justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles believed on in the world and received up into glory Oh, somebody praise his name right now. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. Jesus paid the ultimate price to buy back what was rightfully his. Through him, for him. Amen. All things were created. The reason I know this is because Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that in the earth visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or or powers, all things were created by him and for him. God chose to give the earth to humanity, who chose to give their dominion over it to, to the devil. At the time of Jesus telling his disciples about the kingdom of heaven, he knew he was the man in the parable. He was the one, amen, who had given up everything, to redeem, amen, what humanity gave away. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9, it says it like this. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Man, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, somebody go ahead and praise him. Oh, somebody claim clap your hands under God right now Oh, God, amen, amen. Though he was rich, yet for my sake he became poor, that me through his poverty might be made rich. Man, that, uh, that's about to make me shout, amen. The kingdom of heaven, his perfect world is where his will is done. Evil and selfishness have no power. They have no place. They have no part in God's kingdom. God's kingdom is a place of Equality and respect. God's kingdom is where he rules and reigns in love and justice. His justice is perfect and raises each one of us up equally. There is no corruption in God's kingdom. There is no hatred and racism in God's kingdom. There are no big I's and little U's in his kingdom. There's no lower class and no upper class in his kingdom. Amen. There's no Democrats and no Republicans and no independents in his kingdom. There are no haves and no have-nots in his kingdom. I'm talking about God's kingdom. My, my, my. Discovering the good news of God's kingdom and truly understanding its full value if I can word it that way brings great joy when one who was lost amen receives Jesus and gets the Holy Ghost and enters into his kingdom there is everlasting joy in heaven because we can read in the gospel of Luke chapter 15 verse number 10 likewise I say unto you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth amen my God amen i Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Uh, it is the heart of God. Amen. That all will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. For we read in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. However, not everyone chooses to repent, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. True salvation in God's kingdom is a choice that we all have to make. The joy of the Son of Man is His joy for us in Him. When we enter into His kingdom, In receiving Jesus uh, and his right to rule and reign. We either, amen. When we enter into his joy, uh, amen. There is this is our joy, uh, but also uh, Amen. The revelation of the joy he has over each of us. Uh, He delights in us living in his kingdom. Uh, In this parable, the man sold all he had to possess the treasure. Uh, Amen. That was the enormous value of the kingdom. Uh, Whatever we have got to Give up will be worth it to possess the treasure. I said, Whatever we've got to give up will be worth it to possess the treasure. And the question for us tonight is uh, what do we learn about the kingdom of God through this text? Uh, we learn one main thing uh, the kingdom of God is so valuable. Uh, I said, It's so valuable that losing everything on earth uh, but getting the kingdom is a happy trade off having the omnipotent uh, saving grace of Jesus Christ in our lives uh, is so valuable uh, that if we lose everything in order to have it it's a joyful sacrifice uh, can I hear an amen uh, the apostle Paul uh, expresses this very thing in Philippians chapter 3 uh, amen verses 7 and 8 where he says uh, but what things uh, were gained to me uh, those I counted loss for Christ uh, yea doubtless and I count all things but loss uh, for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord uh, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things uh, and do count them but dung uh, that I may win Christ Uh, oh I love you Jesus in this parable the man sells everything he has so that he can have the kingdom In Philippians chapter 3 verse number 8 Paul suffers the loss of all things that he may obtain Christ. I think those are virtually identical realities. The point here is not to—that uh, not that you buy the kingdom or barter the kingdom or negotiate for the kingdom. You can't purchase it, and neither can you negotiate for it. But you will have to pay a price for it. Now, I've come to this pulpit to tell someone you can get it freely if you want it more than you want anything else. It's as like a poor child entering a toy store and the owner said, Well, you can have the best and most expensive toy in this store if you want it more than you want anything else. In other words, there's a condition for having the kingdom, for having the king on our side. As our friend. But the condition is not wealth. It's not uh, power or intelligence or even prominence. The condition is that you prize the kingdom of God more than you prize anything else. Everybody hear what I said? The condition is that you prize the kingdom of God more than you prize anything else. The point of selling everything in this parable is to simply show where your heart is, because Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus tells us, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your heart is to have the kingdom above all things, then the Gospel of Luke chapter 12, verse 32, comes true for you when it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, the point of our text is that the kingdom of God is so valuable that losing everything on earth but gaining the kingdom is a happy trade off. Or, to be more specific, we can lose everything with joy if we gain Christ. Don't miss the word joy in this verse. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The loss of all things is not sad if we gain Christ. There's a sense in which I can almost hear Jesus thinking as he's telling the story, Sister Tori, would you come? I'm the treasure hidden in the field. You're looking at the treasure. As he's tearing this parable, as he's he, he's before standing before these people and he's, he's telling them this parable, he said, I'm the treasure that's in the field. You're looking at it. The treasure's standing right in front of you, and you can't even see it. It's in plain sight, yet it's hidden. I told you the kingdom of heaven is near because I am near. Literally, he's right here, right now. Would you stand with me? I'm going to close to the words of the old Henson song. It says, maybe you weren't among the crowd that crucified the Savior. and Maybe you weren't the one that spat upon his face. And When the nails were driven in that pierced his flesh so tender, maybe you weren't among the one who held his precious hands and feet in place. And maybe you weren't around when they mocked, behold, the king of kings. And maybe you weren't the one who pierced his side. But then when to his call, you answered, no, it's you and you alone. You've crucified the Savior once again. Once again in Pilate's hall, Jesus stands before them all. And he bears your load of guilt, your shame, your sin. What you thought was just denial, that's the end of his trial. And you've just crucified the Savior once again. I wonder if anybody would like to come pray. Would you gather around here You come pray? God, I don't want to crucify you. I don't want to crucify you again. I don't want to, God. I want the treasure, God. I want the treasure. I want the treasure, God. I want you, God.
1: To the cross where Thou hast died, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. Raw me near. How you feel Can you sing it as a prayer Draw me near draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side, one last time, sing, draw me love him this evening. I
2: magnify you, Jesus. God, you're so good to us. Lord, no matter what it takes, I want you to come. I want you to live inside of me. I want to be a vessel, a vessel that you can abide in, a vessel, God, that is a vessel of honor, not a vessel of dishonor. Lord, it's my desire to draw nearer to you. In Jesus. name. <laughs> oh, I love you today. Let's love the Lord here today. Can we do that? Let's lift our hands and let's love the Lord just for a few more moments. Jesus, I need you. <laughs> Hallelujah, Savior. Jesus. draw me nearer Jesus you know I this is a sobering message thinking about what he's calling out us to do. And when he made mention of, he said, I don't want you to miss this word joy in this scripture that I read in your text, that he read in your text tonight. And immediately when he said that, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2 came to mind looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I've preached on that. But it's this next spot that I want you to pay attention to. The scripture goes on saying, who, who are we talking about? Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Maybe I'm a little crazy, but I I think that parable can be preached a couple of ways. It's definite. I don't want anything that I have. I'm about to say take away from anything the elder said tonight. But I want you to think about this with me. Yes. We're in a field. We found something that's of great value. And we need to give everything we got to obtain that thing. That being the Holy Ghost, that being Christ. But if you read in Luke I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 13, there before he he tells a parable about the tares. And his disciples said, Master, who is can, can you help us understand this? And he said, and, and so Jesus, there before he got into the other parables, he interpreted the parable of the tares and the weeds. And he said. The sower is the Son of Man. Do we know who the Son of Man is? It's Jesus. In this passage, it was Jesus. And he said the the reapers or the workers were the angels. And he said the field was the world. And then we get to verse number 44, and he said a man was walking in a field. If we use, I'm not saying this is the absolute way to do it, I'm just saying if you use his definition from the tares, the man here would be Jesus. And that man went into the field, which was what? The world. And he found a treasure. What's the treasure? He found you and me. And he sold all that he had. And he did it how? With joy. Now everything this man said tonight is 100% true. We take that same scripture, and now we do this all the time with all the kinds of different scripture, right? We take and we we, we apply application. It doesn't matter how you look at it. All I'm saying is if Jesus was going to do it, do you know why Jesus did these things for us? for an example for you and I to follow. He sold everything that he had so that he could purchase your soul and my soul with his blood. Everything he had, he sold it and he gave it because of you and me, Donnie. Why is it so hard sometimes for us to say, doesn't matter what what you want from me, God. I know I enjoy this. I know this is comfortable in my life. But God, I give you my everything. Nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Hallelujah. Amen paying everything. All he asks is that you seek him first and his righteousness and then all these things shall be added to you. I want more of him. I need more of him. Do you know why I need more of him? It's because The more that I have of him in my life, the more evident it is going to be for those who have never encountered him to see him. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Mays, for coming and preaching to me tonight. Whatever it is this week, God, if I've got to go sell some more stuff, figuratively or literally I'll do it because I want to see his glory and I want to abide in his presence amen more of him more of him hallelujah in Jesus name hallelujah well God is God is faithful. I know, with everything going on in life, and maybe I'll preach about this a little bit on Sunday. But church, I, I'm, but toughy, I'm ready to see the glory of God like I've never seen it before. And I got a question for for you guys here tonight. Between now and this Sunday, will you join me and Friday? Would you fast with me that day? And then next week, would you join me in fasting? I'm not going to have you select a day and tell me what it is, but I'm going to ask you to help. I'm, I'm asking us, can we fast a couple days next week just so we can get our hearts and our minds in the right mode for God to move in our midst on Sunday? And if you've never fasted before, I, I just encourage you, hey, let's find something in your life that you enjoy a lot of and put it away for a day. You can determine that. (laughs) Klondike bars. Uh, If you have fasted before, I can promise you, if you haven't fasted, what I'm saying is, it's, it's hard for you just to say, hey, I'm not eating anything for 24 hours. But if you can do it, let me tell you something. God will bless you for it. Um, However Hear me If you fast But you don't pray during that day You just went hungry for a day You did nothing It comes by prayer and fasting And I've said this many times But I'm going to say it again When you're fasting The reason we fast is to put the physical man into subjection to the spiritual man, and if I'm going to deprive the physical man, I'm going to feed my spiritual man during that time, and the way I do that is through Bible reading, through prayer, amen, that's, that's how we do it, amen, you're going to hear me start talking about fasting and prayer a lot more. In the, in the next few weeks to come because I feel like in order for us to go to the next place that God wants to take us look we, we've been taking some stair steps this year we've, we've seen some transitions in this church major transitions in this church this year we talked about at the beginning of the year this is the year of Jubilee and I still believe God's still got more that he wants to give to us but we've got to put forth an effort and we've got to subject ourselves unto him Praise God. Saturday, Saturday we have a baby shower at 5 o'clock here at the church. And, uh, I think my wife's been reaching out to folks, so if she has and you haven't responded, please respond. Um, if she, if I don't know what's happened, just reach out to her because I have no idea what's going on. Amen. Praise God. Looking forward to having a good time Friday and sorry Saturday. And then Sunday, bring somebody with you that needs the Holy Ghost. Let God fill them with the Holy Ghost. We're not going to have an evangelist, but we'll have church anyhow. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I can't think of anything else. Am I missing something? No? I will say be ready because Sunday I'm going to be, between now and Sunday, I'm going to be putting plans together for practice for Easter Sunday. So those of you that want to be involved, if you want to help with puppets or whatever, just let me know. Uh, you and I need to talk about the puppet stand, see, if, uh, see what we need to do about getting that together. Um, so anyway, God bless you all. We love you, and you're dismissed in Jesus' name.